Well, it, it sounds like um, we may need other incentives here. And so, for example, I, I can go to a, a store and buy a light bulb, and I know it has been certified by some outside agency. In, in the United States, it's Underwriters Lab. It's, it's a few others that do that. Do you think we may see something like that, a, an outside certification, saying that this software meets some minimal security requirements? So it goes back to compliance versus real security. Right. And I already made a, an opinion when saying real security versus compliance. I think compliance and uh, regulations are important for market deficiencies. So when things do not work because there right. are the right incentives. Right. So so it's important as a starting point. That said, they are there. They're just not providing enough. They're also not today targeted specifically at the develop, development phase, and in most cases they are taken to be part of the operational phase, which yeah. is later on. Yeah. So it would be an interesting um, idea to try to create a development process-specific regulation. It's harder because we don't make we, we make end result regulations don't be breached. We don't make make right. good software requirements. That said, I, I've once seen an interesting demonstration. Somebody created a label for software, which is like the, the label you have on food with right. ingredients, saying how much, you know, okay. how much SQL injections it might have and how much cross-site scripting it might have, right. as you would have for sugars and fats on food, right. which is neat. Which is a, right, an interesting, uh, interesting idea. So at the blog, we've written a lot about pen testing, and actually we've also spoken to a few actual testers. You know, obviously this is a, another way to deal with sort of improving security in an organization. I'm wondering how you feel about hiring these outside pen testers. So first of all, by definition, it's it's the opposite of security by design. It usually comes in later in the game once the system is ready. So if I said, I believe in security by design, then pen testing seems to be less important. That said, because of security by design doesn't work well, pen testing is needed. It's very much an educational phase where you bring people in and they tell you that you didn't do right. Why I don't see this more than educational? First, because pen testers usually are given just as much time as was allocated you know, it's money at the end of the day. Uh, and today, the bad guys are just investing more. It's not a holistic way to make the software secure. It's a point approach, opportunistic one, and usually it gets some things, but it doesn't get all the things, right. which is good for education, good to show there is an issue, right. but it's not good enough to make sure that we are really secure. That's, that's right, yeah. That said, it is important. Two things, since everybody's doing pen testing anyways, uh, I would like to point to two things which are important when you do pen testing. The first one is, pen, since pen testers find just some of the issues, make sure that those are used to, to create a thought process around the larger challenges of the software. So if they found a cross-site scripting in a specific place, don't just fix this one. Fix all of the cross-site scriptings around or think why your system was not built to overcome cross-site scripting in the first place. Right. Take it into as a driver for security by design. As an anecdote, I once met an organization where um, a pen tester came in, he found cross-site scripting, he demonstrated it by having the app popping up gotcha dialogue. And two weeks later, the developers came back and said they fixed it. It doesn't happen anymore. And what they did was just to check for the word gotcha in their input and block it, which is 
it does happen, unfortunately. Right. Uh, beyond fixing this specific vulnerability, well, if you have pen testing and they found cross-site scripting, find think of why your system in the first place was not built to handle those across the board. The second thing that's very important is pen testing is usually done very late in the development life cycle. And too many times, there's just not enough time to fix things. So making it earlier, making part of the, you know, test as models are released rather than last moment will ensure that more can be fixed before launch. So okay. systems are less vulnerable. Right. So we also know that Microsoft has started addressing some long-standing security gaps with its um, starting with Windows 10. There's also Windows 10S, which is a Microsoft special security configuration for 10. I was wondering if you can tell us what 10S is doing that, that may help organizations with their security. So Microsoft 10S is the whitelisting version. If you think about security, there are two options to secure things, and nearly every security system selects one. Uh, one of them is to allow everything in general and then try to block what's dangerous. Right. Okay. An antivirus would be a good example. Install whatever you want to install, and then the antivirus will catch it if it's a virus. The second option, whitelisting, is always more secure, but always uh, limits functionality more. Windows 10S takes this approach. It limits installing software only things that actually come from the Microsoft App Store. Right. So it's way more limited, functionality speaking. It sort of feels as it is less of a full system. And personally, you know, an IT guy being here for quite a while, it feels too limited for me. Right. But looking at how, you know, my kids are using computers, how, you know, general office workers are using computers, it might be just enough. So it might be a good choice by Microsoft to create those limited versions that are secure by design because they allow just as much rather than blocking what's wrong. Right. So it would, um, if I understand what you're saying, it would prevent, let's say, malware from being loaded because it, the malware wouldn't have been signed. So it wouldn't have been well on the, the actual whitelist. Of... It's not just signed. It's actually downloaded from Microsoft App Store. So it's way more. Signing exists in Windows today. It's, it's right. the next step. And so it has to come from IC. So then it, it would really prevent anything from being any outside software yep. from being loaded. Okay, so that that would, um, and, and is there a security hit for that, or uh, a? I'm sorry, a. Um, is there a performance penalty for that? As far as I know, there is no performance penalty. Uh, in, in a way, the same having more security in this case might actually improve security and um, stability. Because unpredicted software is also a challenge for uh, performance and stability. The downside is functionality. Right. Okay. So we know from um, security analysts that hackers and the cyber criminals have target executives. They call it, you know, spear phishing or whale phishing, and you know they have the more valuable information compared to the average employee. So it would sort of make sense to to actually target these people. I was wondering if you think that executives should receive extra security protections or, or they should take extra precautions in their dealings with, um, you know, just in their day-to-day -day work on the computer. In a way, you said it all, because we do know that executives are targeted more, so we need to focus on securing them. We do it in the real world, 
getting back to my drone parallels with the physical security world. So it does make sense. And we need, on the other hand, taking into practical terms, a lot of our security controls are automated. And when it's automated, if you invest in detecting that somebody's imposing a user, why stop at executives? So my take on that would be make the automated detection systems address any user. Right. But then focus. It still gets to incident response right. team that has to assess whether it's the risk is there and what to do. They can prioritize based on the type of the user. Right. Uh, executives being one type of sensitive user, by the way, of course, admins are another type. Yeah, I mean, I can almost imagine, a, I guess, like a, a, um, a SOC having a special section just focused on executives and and perhaps um, looking at their, um, you know, any kind of notifications or alerts that come up from the, you know, the standard configuration, but actually digging a little deeper when those things come up with executives. Yes, if you think about it, the major challenge of a SOC is handling the, the, the flow of um, alerts okay? and any means that will enable them to be more efficient in handling uh, alerts, focusing on those that are a, a more critical to the business where the risk is higher is important. Executives are a very good example. So just pop up the alerts about executives to the top of the list and the analyst gets to them first and he's doing something is more available to the organization. Getting back to there is no 100% security, some incidents or alerts would be left. Right. Nowhere around that. One last question. Any predictions on hacking trends in the next few years? I mean, are, are there new techniques on the horizon that we should be paying closer attention to? Oh, the crystal ball question. It's always hard. I'll probably be wrong, but I'll take okay. I'll take a try at that. So the way to look into that, the way to try to predict is that I found out that hacking techniques usually trail changes in the IT technology. Uh, hackers become experts in the new technology only a year or two or even more than that after the technology becomes uh, widespread. In this respect, I think that mobile is the next front. We all use mobile, but actually business use of mobile, which is where money is, is rather new. Salesforce, mobile app, in the last couple of years, we can actually do more work on the mobile device, which means it's a good target for, for malware. And I think we've seen yeah. malware for a, a mobile, but we still yeah. didn't see financial right. or enterprise malware, as yeah. ransomware for mobile, for example. And that would be coming. Right, uh, could change, yes. And what about Internet of Things? Um, it's kind of somewhat related to, to uh, mobile as, as yeah. a, sort of a new um, trend. We started seeing so, some of that. Yeah. It's yes, it's an area where we've seen two two things. First of all, a lot of research, which always comes before actual real world use. If you look at what researchers are doing today, you know what hackers will do in two or three years. And up to today, we've seen mostly a denial of service attacks against. Uh, and you know, Internet of Things devices, uh, where they were taken in order to do denial of service attacks, or they were taken off the network. Uh, it would be interesting. Uh, it would be frightening, actually, once the bad guys start to uh, more innovative damage by taking over uh, devices. Mm. You know, cars are a very frightening example, of course. But before that, it might be you know, traffic lights. 
uh, etc. You know, um, electricity controllers, etc. That said, the business model is the driving factor, and I still don't see, unlike, for example, malware from mobile or a, a malware over on cloud systems. I still did not identify the business model apart from nation states right. around Internet of Things attacking. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, Ofer, thank you for joining us. This was a really fascinating discussion, um, and it's good to get this perspective from someone who's been in the business for such a long time. Thank you. My pleasure as well.